Hello everyone, welcome to our Becoming Your Mom support group. Uh, we have some visitors with us today, welcome to you. My name is Mark and I'm the group leader. And I think we'll start by reciting our mission statement. We love our moms, but we are not our moms. We love our moms, but we are not our moms. Carol, would you mind starting us off this week? Hi everyone, I'm Carol. Hi Carol. I'm the oldest of three roommates and I'm turning into my mom. I clean up everything after them. I've even started doing their laundry. I talk to myself in the grocery store all the time. All of my status updates are just pictures of kids. I don't even have kids. Same. Well, kids and recipes. The other day, I almost licked my finger and wiped the face of a total stranger. I keep saying words like garbage and tarjay. What is that? I'll send a text to someone just to let them know I sent them an email. Well, how else would they know? Right? I mean, these shoes were on sale. What am I supposed to do? Not buy them? I call my husband my son's name. And sometimes I call my son the dog's name. I always tell people, I'll be like two minutes, then it'll be like an hour. <laughs> whoa, whoa, take it easy there. Shannon already has a tissue. We really don't need to offer her one. I do. Did you see how they let the momness overtake them? So you may not be able to avoid becoming your mom, but the key is to let the beautiful things about moms shine through in your life. The kindness, the caring, the compassion, the qualities that God gave moms when he created them. Oh, like when I text my friends, LOL, lots of love. That's not what LOL means. That's what my son told me it meant. LOL, lots of love. What else, what else would it mean? You know, I used to be an amazing dancer. Now when I dance, people just get embarrassed. Can I show you? Yeah. Oh, no, Carol. Carol, sit down. Carol, please. One, two. Well, how do you follow that? Obviously, I didn't pick that video out because I didn't know when it was over. Well, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there, and uh, we certainly appreciate you. And um, I was... Uh, as I was watching that video, how many of you mothers wipe down your cart before you push it in a grocery store? Let me see. Wow. First time I ever th saw that, I thought, what's that lady doing? All right. I found a, an article, um, and in the article, it describes a mother and the different traits of a godly mother. And... Um, I really like what the author stressed in terms of her uh, spiritual life. Um, and I was thinking as I was reading through this about my own mother, you know, and she's with the Lord now and has been almost four years. And um, I'm so thankful. I cannot thank the Lord enough for my mother. I mean, she was um, so many things, but she was a godly person. And that's what I'm thankful most for. Um, in this article, they write about the spiritual care that a mother provides. It says, you play a pivotal part in helping your child grow into a young man or woman who loves and serves Christ 
you've prayed with and for your young one and watched as the prayers of your child begin to form and mature. You have told and continued to tell the stories of the Bible to your child. You memorize verses of Scripture, sing hymns and songs of worship, and read the Bible. For your child, you connect God's glory to the everyday circumstances of living life in a broken world. You listen and comfort when your child has been, has been sinned against by someone's words or actions. You exhort when your child chooses sin. You encourage godliness when sin seems so easy. You work endlessly to help your child with his or her attitude, honesty, respect, flexibility of spirit, humility, work ethic, and so much more. You serve people in the love of Christ alongside your child. You hold your child accountable. You do all of this sometimes without a mere thank you or any acknowledgement of all your effort or even a pleasant response. You work diligently to serve your child with a prayer and hope that God will use your efforts to touch the heart of your child. None of this is done by a perfect person. You fulfill your essential role in the home and in your child's life with many possible limitations, pressures, and distractions, like working part-time or full-time, trying to honor other relationships outside your children, volunteering in the church, seeking to serve other friends, potential personal health issues, and so many more that could be added. You struggle in your own walk with Christ, your desires, your craving for personal space. Ooh, wow, how many young mothers would like can save into that? Your burdens, you do this with all your imperfections, your worry, your frustrations, your disappointments, your doubts, your anxieties, your demands upon yourself. You do this in a body that gets tired, right moms? Fluctuates, often is sleep deprived, feels worn out, and does not look as pretty to you as it did pre-childbirth. But you do it day after day, you still do it. Thank you, mom. Solomon said it best when he wrote, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Reality is, we don't need perfect and never expected perfect moms. We just need you. Thank you, mom. Um, as I was thinking and reading about that I, and preparing for this morning, quite honestly, in this text we're going to look at in Luke 1, I just couldn't help but think about my own mother and all the many blessings I had and watching her sit on the end of the couch every day reading her Bible, praying, being that example that I needed. So I just want to say thank you to my mom. She's with the Lord enjoying his presence right now. And um, I trust that you know for certain that if you died today, you would be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's uh, pray together. Lord, um, really every day is Mother's Day. <laughs> uh, mothers don't get a break. Um, there's always something going on in the lives of mothers. Um, I know that as a father, um, that's true for me, that I'm always thinking about my children and my grandchildren. And Lord, most of all, I want them to know you and live for you and 
and walk with you, enjoy the fellowship with you that we can enjoy. And Lord, we just want to pause this morning and thank you for our mothers. Thank you for our grandmothers. Thinking about my grandmothers, just so, so many uh, great stories of just uh, their influence and impact in my life uh, in a godly way. Thinking about my mom's mom, she was a giver. I mean, she was a giver. And I'm so thankful for that example. And um, Lord, there's just so many um, opportunities that we have uh, this side of glory to influence and impact. And I pray that all of us would recognize, if we are in Christ, that the opportunity to represent you in this world that is lost and dying, that opportunity is there for us every day to express just through our words and through our actions, our love for you, um, our love for the gospel, our love for the word of God. Lord, we want the service this morning to honor you and all we do, and I pray it would. I pray you'd help us to be teachable people, and Lord, that your spirit uh, would be our teacher and our guide this morning. In the name of Christ, I pray, amen. Um, we have a few, a couple of videos this morning we're going to show couple of testimonials uh, from some of our uh, mothers here about their mothers. So let's play that. I would like to take a moment to honor my mother on this Mother's Day, as she was the godliest woman that I have ever known. As a 12-year-old, she walked by herself every Sunday to Woodlawn Baptist Church. She walked many blocks to get there. She had no encouragement at home. Her parents didn't go with her didn't take her to church, but God was calling her. She heard the gospel, responded in faith, became a believer, and started a spiritual journey that touched so many lives through the years. Mother's main passion in life was to have a happy home that was Christ-centered because that was not the kind of home that she grew up in. She not only wanted this for her family, but she wanted it for other families too. Because she put the Lord first in her life, she exemplified the fruit of the Spirit in our home. She created an environment of love and encouragement. The needy and less fortunate were always so close to Mother's heart. And by example, she taught us to give and to give freely. Missions was always very important to her also. And so many times when she would sell a painting, she would give it to, uh, give the money to missions so that other people could hear the gospel and their lives would be transformed and their families would be transformed too. Mother passed away five years ago and she's buried in the National Cemetery in Montevallo. When it came time for us to determine what was to be put on the headstone, there were so many things that we wanted to say but they have very stringent guidelines and you're very, very limited as to the number of characters and spaces that you can use. We ask ourselves, how can we sum up her life in just two short lines? So her headstone reads, her name, the date of her birth, the date of her death, wife of Sergeant Robert Harper, U.S. Army. The other thing that we had put on there was Proverbs 31, wife and mother and we think she would be pleased. One of my favorite memories of my mom was she led me to Christ when I was five. She was always big into holidays. I think that's why I love holidays so much. And especially Halloween, we, she would work all day and she would come home, get us all ready for 
dressed up in our costumes, and she would, at the very last minute, throw on just anything she could just pull together, and she would always end up to being having the best costume out of all of us. And everybody would love, you know, thought it was fun. And my kids have this thing called Nana Bloopers, and so they, on her phone, they log all the funny things that they do with Nana, and uh, some of their favorites are she made pancakes one morning for them, and it was all out of cornmeal. And so, like, Nana, these are the best pancakes we've ever had. But really and truly, they weren't. It wasn't the best pancakes they'd ever had, because it was made out of cornmeal. And um, she, one time, she tried to answer the phone using the TV remote, and we all had a good laugh about that. But Mom has always given us unconditional love, endless encouragement. She's always been our biggest cheerleader, but is not afraid to kick us in the pants when we need it. We always say that you need a Nancy Baines in your life because she will pour truth in, into you even though it's hard or it's difficult or you don't want to hear it. I will call her for advice and she will stop whatever she's doing and she'll pray with me wherever wherever we are being a mother is one of the hardest jobs I ever had to do or have to do and uh, I just hope and pray that I can do as good of a job as she's done Well, I don't think I'm going to get a note out of Nancy after that, right? Or Denise either. But she, she's had a little bit of time, you know. Um, but we do. We are so thankful for our mothers. And, uh, and now my nose is running even. But uh, anyway, they've been so special to us. And we do honor them today. Honor all of you. Congratulations, ladies. You have done a wonderful, wonderful job. Um, <clears throat> Just kind of shifting our thoughts right now to where we're honoring our mothers, which are so worthy of that. Now we want to shift our focus to honoring the Lord, which he is so worthy of that as well. Um, and the choir is going to begin with a number that you're all familiar with. It's an old hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. And we were talking about it in the choir, the fact that the words are so good. I mean, it's such a wonderful song. I noticed something when I was putting together the, the slides and everything for the, for the songs today is a lot of times, uh, I, I mean, well, these guys back there, they'll, they'll know that I'm kind of a stickler for punctuation <laughs> when we're doing it because a lot of times it slips by. When we, get these, when we get the words in, we forget to put the punctuation in, and sometimes it loses some of its meaning. Um, but I found out, like for instance, it says, Come Thou Fount. Well, you wonder, wonder how that really goes together. But it's actually supposed to be, Come, comma, Thou Fount of Every Blessing. See, the writer of the song is addressing the Lord as the fountain of every blessing. And that's exactly what it says, Come, Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing Thy grace. Now, doesn't that make a little more meaning other than just come thou fount of every blessing, do my heart to sing thy grace? You know, um, so 
you know, let's just bring the, 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 the words of the song is so wonderful. And um, so we just thank the Lord today that he is the fountain of every blessing. And part of that blessing is godly mothers. And um, so let's just take our time now. Let's begin to focus on the Lord and let's worship together. And the choir is going to sing, Come, Thou Founder of Every Blessing.
the song spoke of our wandering, our wandering hearts. How many of you today have wandering hearts? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. How many of us are like that today? We're so thankful that the Lord accepts us and loves us the way that we are. Let's have a word of prayer, and then the band's going to come and lead us in worship. Father, I just want to thank you so much this morning and give you the glory and the honor that's due you, Lord, because you are worthy of our praise. Lord, hallowed be thy name, your name, the name of the Lord Jesus, Almighty God, Wonderful Counselor. Oh, God, so many things we can say to you, Lord, and about you. We lift you up in praise. Lord, we're so thankful that as we are prone to wonder, prone to leave the God that we love, and circumstances kind of take, our, take us by the hand and kind of pull us in another direction, Lord. You and your Spirit pull us back and allow us to be a part of your family forever and ever, no matter what. And, Lord, I just want to thank you and praise you for that this morning. So, God, be, be with us during our time of worship right now as we lift your name up in song as Thad comes in word. And, Father, as we leave this place today, Lord, it's not so much that we receive the blessing, but, God, that you have been blessed and that you are satisfied with our hearts of worship. Be with us during this time. These things we pray in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Good morning, church. Uh, we're here this morning to sing about the gospel, to sing about Jesus, to lift his name high. Let's all stand. We're going to sing about the fact that he died for our sins, the fact that he rose again, the fact that he's coming again. So let's all praise and worship the Lord together this morning.
Jesus, give me Jesus. 
to die. Oh, when did I come to die? Oh, when did I come to die? Give me Jesus. That's a pretty meaty song there. You can have all this world. Whew. Give me Jesus. That's one that'll make you think a little bit about your life and how true is that, right? Uh, this world has a lot of things that we enjoy and that we like. And the challenge as believers is to make sure that Christ is first place. Well, all the guys didn't get the memo today. You're supposed to wear pink. I should have put that in the letter I sent you this week. Wear your pink shirt. I remember my mom bought me a pink shirt when I was in 11th grade. You're in 11th grade. You're not too crazy about wearing pink if you're a guy. Well, this morning, I want us to look at the mother of Jesus. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke 1, as we look at the mother of Jesus, and this morning I have, with the help of the Lord, tried to use um, women and the quotes I have. Um, you know, one of the things that we need to be thankful for is all the different parachurch ministries and teaching opportunities that people have. Hopefully, parachurch ministries view themselves as being support of the church because the Lord said he'll build his church. <laughs> um, and uh, there are several women that have had a significant impact in the lives of other women. And um, I'll be quoting some of those this morning, uh, like Nancy Lee DeMoss and Priscilla Schreier, and um, also um, Kay Author. And I know that our women here at Grace spend a good amount of time uh, studying uh, and using even some of those resources. I know Kay Author is one that, um, if I'm not mistaken, she makes you do some homework. Isn't that correct, ladies? And so um, that's really where the meat is, though. If you're going to study the Word on your own, that's where you're going to grow the most. And um, so I'm excited for our ladies and our women here at Grace who have continual opportunities uh, in the women's ministry to study the Word of God. And we're, we're thankful for our women that lead that, for, for Pam and Christy and all those who lead those ministries. We never take those things for granted. We should not. 
because not every church has the resources that we have. And so I say that as an encouragement and a challenge to all of you ladies. I have to be careful when I'm challenging ladies and to say this graciously, that you would take advantage of those opportunities the Lord has provided uh, for you here at Grace. And if you're visiting with us today um, and you want to know more about that, we have a welcome center out, outside uh, here in the, in the foyer, and you can um, get more information about that. There's always information and updates as it relates to the women's uh, ministry here at Grace, and so we're thankful for that. It was, um, I really believe the Lord that led me, obviously, to this section of Scripture, and as I looked at the mother of Jesus, and I think the first thing that struck me was her age, you know, being kind of a teenager, and you're looking at that and going, wow, Lord, here's this young girl who... Um, becomes the mother of Jesus, and um, she's young. And, and it first got my attention. I was thinking, you know, we discount our youth sometimes. We don't need to do that. We're thankful for our youth here. We're thankful for the leaders that lead them. And um, young people have a lot to offer in ministry. And um, I would encourage you, if you're older like myself, which I'm not too much older, but if you're older, uh, that you would take the time to walk alongside these young people, there's a lot that can be learned uh, from them. So this morning, we want to try to tackle um, three different character traits about Mary that I see here in Luke 1 that I think can be a real encouragement and even admonishment uh, to us, all of us as Christians. Um, I want us to see, first of all, that uh, from Luke 1, it's in two verses that we'll see this, her commitment uh, to the Lord. Her commitment to the Lord is found in verses 38 and 48 of Luke chapter 1. Her commitment to the Lord. Look with me in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Now, this is right after she's been told that she would have a child. In verse 35, it says, or 34, it says, And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was barren is now in her sixth month, and I love verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. You know, we, I, I hope you believe that. Nothing is impossible with God. You know, I, this is not in my notes, but I was thinking about that. I was thinking about my wife's prayer life. Uh, my wife, uh, every morning, gets up about 5.30 or so, and she goes and gets her coffee, and she sits in the living room, and she has this corner that's kind of her, it's, I call it a rat trap. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, and I better not get into it. You understand what I'm saying? And I even moved it yesterday because I needed that little um, thing that I, I needed to put my stuff on. And so I carefully put everything back, probably not in its right place, but it's back in that corner. But every day, she's in there reading the Word and praying for the impossible. Praying for the impossible. The impossible that we see, we see she's praying for those people who are lost and only God can change their hearts and their lives. She's praying for her children and for her grandchildren and I'm sure that I'm somewhere in that list. 
She's praying for the impossible, that Thad would grow in the grace and knowledge of the word. Now, we don't ever need to, to say, well, I don't think that's possible. With, all, with God, all things are possible. You know, we don't look at people and go, well, they're hopeless. No, there's hope because of Christ. Well, verse 38 says, and Mary said, and here it is, behold the bond slave of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. And when you look at that, that's quite a statement. In verse 38, she refers to herself as a bond slave, which indicates the commitment that she had to the Lord. And then if you look down in verse 48, it says, for he has regard for the humble state of his what? His bond slave. And the word in, in the Greek language is the word doulos. It's the word slave. She considered herself, her position, as a slave of the Lord. That's pretty heavy. A slave of the Lord. Um, expressed through a submissive spirit. Right? That's what it is. A commitment to the Lord expressed through a submissive spirit. And she says, I'm a bond slave. I'm a slave of the Lord. Um, as I was doing some study on this, I wrote a paragraph about doulos so that we could understand what, what Mary was saying here. That she was a slave of the Lord. And, and it, it poses the question, have you thought of yourself as being a slave of the Lord? He's the master and he owns you. Right? He's the master and he owns you. Um, a doulos had no authority. In fact, if there is one thing a doulos does not have, it's any authority of their own. If you lined all the social positions of that day in rank of authority, the doulos would be at the end of the line. In fact, one might say that the doulos might not be allowed to stand in the line in the first place. <laughs> uh, man. When you, you know, I was thinking about that this week, and our culture is so so against that mind of being a slave of Christ. I mean, you know, um, our culture is like, hey, number one is who? It's me, right? And what's Mary expressing here? Number one for her was the Lord. He's number one. He's on the throne, and I am in submission to him. I place myself in submission under the Lord. And this is a term that is not... Um, that is mentioned only a few times in the New Testament. In fact, the Apostle Paul many times calls himself a slave of the Lord. You know, we've been bought with a price. And the price is the precious blood of the Lamb. <laughs> um, K. Arthur, in writing about... Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. K. Arthur, in writing about having a submissive spirit, wrote this, The will of God for your life is simply that you submit to Him each day. And say, Father, I love the way she put this, Father, your will for today is mine. Your pleasure for today is mine. Your work for today is mine. I trust in you alone you lead me today and I will follow you for that hard to be submissive isn't it let's be honest 
Hard to be submissive. See, submissive has become one of those four-letter words in our culture. But the Lord has expectations that we as believers would understand our position as it relates to Him. He's the master, I'm the slave. He bought me. He owns me. In fact, I think one of the greatest pictures, I wasn't going to turn there, but I think this is a good picture for, for you and for me to understand kind of that whole thing. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, different context. 1 Corinthians 6, I think, gives us a great picture and understanding of this idea that we've been bought. We've been bought off the slave market of sin. <laughs> right? Listen, we were hopeless and helpless. And the Lord bought us. He purchased us. You think about, there's times we go out and purchase something that we consider very valuable. And we do everything we can to make sure it's protected. Think about that. The Lord bought us and he protects us. Isn't that pretty awesome? When you think about it, he protects his children. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 18, he says, Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Oh, hold on a second. Now he's talking to a bunch of messed up Christians. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians? These guys are off the trail in a lot of areas. But he calls them saints. They belong to him. And Paul's reminding them, in verse 19, he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You didn't go out and purchase the Holy Spirit. Okay, we don't do that. But when one comes to faith in Jesus Christ, you are immediately indwelt by the Spirit of God and sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. And no one or anything can take the Spirit of God away from you. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. Because I'm a wretched man. And if I'm thinking about it like I think about it, I don't deserve the Lord. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve anything from Him. It's called grace. He says that you are not your own. What in the world? That's strange language. Guys, you know what that means? That means it's not what we want. And it's not about us, it's about him. And verse 20 says, why? Because you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You've been bought, you've been purchased off the slave market of sin, and you've been freed from the penalty of sin. <laughs> Isn't that a great thing? Woo! You get excited about it? I am super excited that I have been freed from the penalty of sin. Because the penalty of sin is eternal separation from the Lord. So, 
when it comes to this issue of understanding one's position before the Lord, it's critical. You know, I, I think before I was 21 years old, even though I was a believer in the Lord, I didn't really understand that whole slave thing. In fact, I wasn't introduced to that till later in my Christian life, and I'm like, hold on a second. What does that mean practically? You know what it means? It's his life. To do with it as he chooses to do. How many times has that been tested for us in life? I mean, right? Every day. <laughs> That's why Kay Arthur writes the way she did in thinking about this whole issue of submission. That you submit to him each day. Each day. I don't know about you guys. I mean, every day I have to have that on my mind. Because it's like, I'm either going to serve the guy in the mirror or I'm going to serve the Lord. Well, I'm thankful for the understanding Mary had. She understood that she was a slave to the Lord. And that's why she says the second thing. Right? You could just stop, stop with that bond slave issue. But notice what she says. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. And her understanding of that led to the next statement, which was what? Be it done to me according to your word. Whatever you want, Lord. Man, moms, just quick, isn't that difficult when you're praying for your kids? Whatever you want in their life, Lord, that's what I want. It's okay by me, Lord. If you send them off to the mission field in Africa or India, whatever your will is for them, Lord, that's good. Whatever your will is, that's tough. Because I remember the first time I told my grandfather that I was going to New York, he said, you're crazy. Well, he thought I was going to the city. But even if it would have been the city, I didn't care. Since the mentality, listen, when we pray for our children, mothers and fathers, which we should be doing all the time, we're praying that they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We're praying that they live their life for the Lord. And we're praying, Lord, whatever it is you want to accomplish in their lives, that's up to you. And I don't have to be in control of that. <laughs> right? Listen, I'm choking on my own saliva. Because the reality is this. Control is an issue for us. We want to control. We want to say, well, yeah, you can do this, but Lord... I don't want my kids to do that or my grandkids to do that. I want them to be in this safe little cocoon. And I, don't, I want them protected. But the Lord may want them elsewhere. I remember speaking about this years ago and had a man come up to me years, it's been years, probably 20 plus years ago. And um, he said, Dad, you really believe that? I said, absolutely, I believe that. Because I believe that the Lord is in control of all things. And I believe my position, listen, I'm a child of the Lord, right? I'm a son of God, right? All those things are wonderful. But this is an issue too in my life as a Christian. I'm a slave and whatever the master wants, that's what I want. Well, for our consideration under point one, does our life reflect that of a doulos? 
Are we a slave? And see, here's the thing. There's two sides of that. The slave has been purchased, right? As a believer in Christ, I've been purchased off, right, the marketplace of sin. I've been delivered from the penalty of sin. Now, that's, that's a positive thing, is it not? Right? I'm not going to bear the penalty for my sin. But then, listen, there's this other issue in that. That I understand I've been bought off the slave market of sin, and I have been freed, now listen to me, freed from the penalty of sin, and free to serve him. It's not that I've been freed from the penalty of sin and sit in my recliner and do whatever I want to do. But it's whatever the Lord wants. You could end there and go home. That's a lot to think about. Because the question is very pertinent. Does our our life reflect that of a doulos, a slave? Um, Well, the second thing I see in this text is her commitment to worship. This is a really good one. Her commitment to worship. Look at verses uh, 45 and 46 and 47. And this is Mary's song. It says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. The word exalt means to lift up or to raise up. It means to declare the greatness of the Lord. How often can we do that? All the time. Isn't that cool? All the time. We can express the greatness of God all the time. We're free in this country to do that. So the word means to declare the greatness of the Lord. And if you read in the Psalms, it's filled with people who are declaring the greatness of the Lord. There is no one like the Lord. You believe that? No one like Him. The psalmist in Psalm 8 believed that. Listen to these words. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, thou hast established strength because of thine adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Then he writes, when I consider, listen to what David says, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou dost take thought of him? And the son of man that thou dost care for him, yet thou hast made him a little lower than God and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Thou hast made him to rule over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And speaking about the Lord Jesus. All sheep and oxen and also all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the, of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. It is good, my friends, when we declare the greatness of the Lord. So in this 
song, Mary says, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced, look at this, in God my who? Savior. Did Mary need a Savior class? Yes. No matter what some may say, Mary needed a Savior. Well, there's something else about her worship that in this text that's expressed through two words, has rejoiced. See, Mary had a regular life of rejoicing in the Lord. You say, how do you know that? The verse tells us that. Don't you see it? Has rejoiced. The verb expresses Mary's practice of rejoicing. Now this is what it means in the original. The emphasis of the phrase points to the fact that she has rejoiced, past tense, and continues to rejoice. She's done it, and she's going to continue to do it. And you know what? I believe this with all my heart. A believer, a true believer in Jesus Christ has rejoiced and will continue to rejoice. Because they understand what's taking place. Wow, wow, wow. The God of all creation has provided a sacrifice that was pleasing to God in order that you and I might have a relationship with God and that sacrifice was his son's own blood. <laughs> Mary practiced rejoicing. Um, by the way, that's a good thing. And we don't want to, listen, this is very important, we don't want to limit our rejoicing just to Sunday mornings. Man, if that's what's happening, there's a problem. I wrote this. True worship says to the Lord that one understands that they have been purchased by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable, perishable things like silver or gold, from your futile, should say your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. You know what's not talked about enough in t today's church? The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. It costs something for us to enjoy a relationship with God. It costs something. The blood of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, so we see this pattern that Mary had in her life of worship. She says, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. My soul exalts the Lord. So I thought this would be a good question for us. Is there a pattern of worship in our lives? Is worship only for us on Sunday mornings? Or is worship a pattern in our lives. And the word worship means to ascribe worth. It's worthship. It means to ascribe worth. The only one worthy of honor and glory and praise is the Lord. And do you know what happens a lot of times in churches today? It's the man behind the pulpit and the choir and the praise team that are glorified. Oh, I know this much about our choir here. They don't want that. And the praise team doesn't want that and I don't want that. The Lord is the one who deserves all the honor, glory, and praise. That's it. It's amazing what this teenage girl understood. 
have a video I want you to watch now. And it's about worship. I want you to see just for a minute. worships. Everyone, everywhere worships something. Whatever captivates the heart's affections, the mind's attention, and the soul's ambition essentially has our worship. We worship everything from pop icons to our jobs to our favorite sports team. While the object and method of worship vary, the act of worship does not. Oftentimes, our worship is focused on ourselves. The pursuit of fame, wealth, and personal satisfaction becomes the focus of our wants and desires. But no matter how much we worship these things, they can never satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. God has uniquely designed us with meaning and purpose. He's divinely created us in his own image. When we worship the created and not the creator, we are left unfulfilled and unsatisfied. We deny God the worship that is rightfully his. When we step into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, our relationship with God should become elevated above every other ambition, every other affection, and every other activity. It should change everything we do. It begins to change the words we say, the decisions we make, the way we view our circumstances and see the people around us. It changes our goals, desires, and pursuits. Instead of searching for meaning and purpose in our life, it becomes the meaning and purpose of our life. Worshiping God is not limited to singing a song on Sunday morning. It's a lifestyle lived out in reverence to God wherever he has placed you. There is no sacred and secular divide. Worship involves all of our lives, not just one part. Not just one part. That means we worship as we work, as we parent, as we go to school, as we gather around the table, as we suffer, as we compete, as we love, as we seek, as we create. All that we believe, think, say, and do should flow from our beating heart of worship. So what is worship? It's the outpouring of our lives, led by the Spirit and rooted in God's truth, devoting all we are and all we do to Him, our Creator. It's ascribing worthiness to the one who alone is worthy. Man, I like that video. You know, I'm not real smart when it comes to finding stuff on the internet, but I saw that. I was like, "Woo, that's powerful. You think about it. It is, listen, worship is what we do in expressing ourselves to God. We're saying, God, you are worthy of all the worship. You're worthy of all the honor and all the glory. It is not about man. And guys, you know, just one parting thought on this worship issue before we get to the last one this morning. Let's, let's do something as believers. And you may already be doing this, but let's make a commitment 
that our worship is going to be beyond an hour and a half in this sanctuary. That our worship is going to be just like she showed on that video. Whether you're at work or play, wherever you are, we can worship. Our, my, our idea of worship is somehow it's, just, it's got to be out loud. It doesn't have to be. If you're in your cubicle at work, you can express worship and praise to God in that cubicle. Now, if you start singing right out loud and somebody comes around the corner and says, what's wrong with you? You can explain it to them. Well, all right. Last one. We see in this text her commitment to the word. You say, where in the world do you find that? It's all over verses 46 through 55. There are numerous quotes from the Old Testament in this song of Mary. I would like to suggest to you that she knew the word. So young people, listen to me. Mary, teenage girl, she definitely had a relationship with the Lord. She knew the word of God. Listen, don't, don't let people say, well, you're just not old enough, quite old enough to understand that yet. Baloney. If you have the Spirit of God that indwells you, guess who your teacher is? Your primary teacher is the Spirit of God. Let Him lead you. Don't say, well, you have to be 45 before you can do that. No, you don't. If God puts it on your heart and your mind to go out and be a missionary in your school, do it. I worked, had the privilege of working with young people for a long time. And... I just think that there's a lot to learn from our young people. There sure is a lot to learn here in this text from a young lady who has begun to become the mother of the Lord. Let's read this whole song. It says, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. You'll see in your margin all the different references to the Old Testament when there is one. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I like that. There's two things I like about that. Number one, she refers to him as the mighty one. Right? He's the one that can do all things. All things are possible with him. Holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. Hello? You remember one such person named Neb and Daniel? He did that, didn't he? He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Man, that is fully loaded. Sometime we'll have to study that fully loaded thing. But her commitment was to the word. Um, Nancy Lee DeMoss writes this, one of the greatest needs as women is to become women of the word. The world does not need to hear our opinions. I didn't blacken that, but boy, I wanted to. 
When friends approach us for advice about dealing with their children, their fears, their depression, and other issues, they need someone who knows the Word and is able to show them what God has said. And the reason I put that has said, He's already said it. There is no new revelation. You just need the book in front of you. You need to know, and I need to know, the Word of God so that we're able to carefully walk with someone who's going through depression, which happens to believers. Did you know in the last uh, years of Spurgeon's life, he was a depressed man? say, Spurgeon was a depressed man? It happens. People get depressed. Mothers can get depressed. That happens. Fathers can get depressed. All God's children can get depressed. And do you know what? Depression ultimately at the end of it, I believe, ultimately at the end of it, and this is going to sound, I don't know how this is going to sound to you, but ultimately at the end of depression is self. That's what happens. There's too much concentration on self. You say, well, Dad, that's harsh. Well, it's true. The focal point for you and me can't be self. Now, that's the temptation, but the focal point has to be the Lord. That's what's going to keep us in balance. That's why Nancy Lee DeMoss says, women need to become women of the Word. And I would say all of us need to be men and women of the Word. The believer should delight in the Word of God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 1, 1 through 3, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the University of Alabama. Is that what it says? No. Or Auburn University. One time I said the University of Auburn, and I got in a lot of trouble. (laughs) There's nothing here about the Arkansas Razorbacks. But his delight is in what? It's in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And so it's just this constant intake of God's word. And he says, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Well, I like what Priscilla Shryer wrote on this. And you know what? It's not very much. But what she writes is pretty good. Note that the psalmist says we will be blessed when we delight in his word. And only when we meditate on it day and night. So it demands the question for all of us to consider how much time are we in the word? You know... That battle is no different for me than it is for you. You say, yeah, but you're a pastor, so what? I'm a person. And the battle every day is to be faithfully in the Word of God. How many of you have devotions every day, right? Are you help, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you have devotions every day. How many of you say over the years, that's really easy to do? It's an easy commitment. No, it's a hard commitment. It's very difficult to do. So I put this for our consideration. How does our commitment to the word look in our lives? Well, only you know that and the Lord does. I don't know it. But as I studied this for this morning, I was impressed by this mother of Jesus. 
Her name's Mary. I wanted to close with this um, poem about being a woman of the word. It's a really good poem, and I don't know who to give credit to, or I would. But it's entitled, A Woman of the Word. It says this, The Bible wore her imprint, its cover soft from use, the pages rubbed and wrinkled, the binding coming loose. And even if this Christian and her Bible were apart, she still would have it with her, hidden in her heart. Oh, make me such a woman, Lord, who hungers to be fed, who cherishes a line from you more than her daily bread. And when my days are over, may this be my epitaph. She longed to spend more time with him and now is doing that. Let's pray together. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for your word and for the encouragement that we receive in looking at this morning specifically at the mother of our Savior. Um, Line after line is filled with the example that she was, the commitment that she had to you, Lord, um, acknowledging as a young girl her need for God, her Savior, acknowledging that, Lord, her rejoicing in you was just a pattern in her life. It was an unceasing pattern. It was something that she enjoyed. It was something that she did. And I pray for us as believers that rejoicing in you, even in the hard times, that it's a pattern for us in our lives. She was a woman of the word. What an encouragement that is for all the mothers here. I see on Facebook some of the mothers that post their time in the Word with their children and how rich that is. And I think of my own mother and the investment that she made in me through reading the Word with me. Lord, I'm thankful for that in my life. And I pray for all the mothers in this room that, Lord, you would help them by your Spirit each day. Lord, help them to be the godly mothers that they need to be. And as fathers, we would be the godly fathers that we need to be. Father, I'm so thankful for her worship. I'm thankful for her commitment in the word. And I'm thankful that she understood her position before you. That she was a bond slave. That she was a slave of yours. That she was available and willing. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be available and willing slaves of yours that's a very difficult picture I think it's a beautiful picture because you're our master and you bought us off of the market of sin and we couldn't do anything about it we couldn't take care of our sins Lord you purchased us with your blood and Lord you have separated all of us who know you from the penalty of sin. We will not bear that penalty. 
how can we thank you enough for that? But Lord, also in thinking about the mother of Jesus, I am so thankful, Lord, as I see your scriptures, so many make um, the wrong or give the wrong understanding and, and explanation as it relates to your two times referring to your mother as woman. In John 2 and John 19. And Lord, to understand that your response to your mother was one of respect. That's the term. A term of respect. It wasn't any kind of, um, any kind of disrespect. It was respect. And I'm thankful to know, Lord, that um, as we look at the picture you've given to us in Luke 1 about Mary, I'm thankful we can learn from that. All of us, not just the mothers in this room. Help us to learn. Help us to be teachable as we consider our own lives as it relates to our position as slaves, slaves of Christ. As our commitment to worship and our commitment to the word, help us to be men and women who are sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that I pray. talked a lot about worshiping the Lord, and we're going to close out by introducing a new song to you guys. It's uh, real easy to sing, but it kind of encompasses everything we've talked about so far today. Worshiping God, it talks about building our life um, on that firm foundation of Christ's love. So as you learn the words, you can sing with us, but listen to us as we sing, Build My Life.
Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around you. close our time together. Bruce Scrubs, would you do that for us this morning? Let's pray, family. Father, the words of the song we just sang, I pray that it is the expression of each of our hearts. That we will trust you and trust you alone. Father, each of us came in today with some concerns or worries. 
family, relationships, health, whatever. I'm grateful that the God we serve, to whom we are a slave, we can trust everything. Thank you for that. Thank you for the example of Mary and uh, what we heard today from our pastor as he shared that with us. Help us as your people to follow her example as we worship, as we are in your word, and our commitment to you as Lord. Thank you for what you're going to be doing. Bless, Father, uh, us as we leave. Just give us a good day as we are, many of us are, will be with our moms. And uh, just thank you for what you're going to be doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Chris, you're dismissed, and happy Mother's Day.